we are continuing our study through 2 Corinthians under the, the series called Saved to Serve. 2 Corinthians was the second letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, uh, to the Christians there. And if you don't know much about Paul, as we look back on history, he's a pretty impressive guy. Uh, probably the greatest missionary to ever live. As he traveled around the known world starting churches in all cities across multiple cultures, uh, he was just a church planner. Not to mention, he wrote 13 of the 27 new books of the New or 13 of the 27 New Testament books. You talk about an impressive guy. And yet, in the first century, Paul didn't look very impressive. He's impressive now as we look back on his life, but in that moment, there was really nothing special about Paul, and this is the problem the Corinthians were facing. Paul had started the Corinthian church, spent a year and a half with them, preaching, teaching God's word, uh, but then he left to start other churches. And as Paul is gone, the so-called super apostles came in and said, yeah, Paul's great, but look at who I am. Look at my credentials. Look at how well-spoken I am. Paul's really not that great. And so the question is, what's Paul's secret? What's Paul's secret? As, as we talk about church, as we want to grow our church, what's the secret that Paul had? As we talk about our life, and we want to experience God's power in us and through us, what's Paul's secret? That's what Paul addresses in, in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. If you weren't with us the last couple of weeks, remember the first half of 2 Corinthians is really Paul explaining to them why he didn't return a, a second time on his missionary trip. He had planned to, to go to Corinth at the beginning, do his trip, and come back a second time, and he scratched that second return trip. And so the Corinthians were upset. So he's kind of been defending himself a little bit, but also keeping their eyes on Jesus the entire time. And we've been saved, and now we're serving, and Paul is serving the best that he possibly can. And Jesus is their comfort. Last week he talked about how we're ministers of a new covenant, how we don't, we're not ministers of right and wrong, we're ministers of this new covenant that Jesus is our Savior. And now Paul talks about what he preaches and his secret to his success. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's what we're told. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, uh, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Think of how challenging that must have been for Paul. As the Corinthians are hearing from these other apostles, Paul's not that great. Paul's not that impressive. If it was me, I would be saying, look at me. Look at what I've done. I would have said, hey guys, I know that these other apostles, they're probably really good, they're really smooth talking, but have they started all the churches that I have? Guys, I, 
I know these guys are, are slick talkers, but have they had the training that I have? And then he could have just played the trump card and said, guys, I know whatever about these guys, but did Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, appear to them? Didn't think so. So listen to me. That's what my sinful nature would want to say. But what does Paul say? We preach not ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord. We are simply his servants. Why? Why preach Jesus Christ as Lord? Why not ourselves? He tells us in verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God is the one who speaks light in darkness. The power of God's word to simply speak and bring things into existence is why Paul preaches the message of Jesus Christ as Lord. Have you ever experienced thick darkness? Maybe in like the caves that I'm now forgetting what the name of it is over under I-35 right there. What are those called? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the inner space caves, inner, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Down in, down in those caves, it's dark. It's dark. If you've experienced darkness in your room, how do we get light? We have to either have a, a flashlight, our phone, a candle, or we have to turn on a light. Otherwise, we are helpless in the thick darkness that is around us. Not God. God in thick darkness says, let there be light. And his powerful word brings light. Paul says, this is what God has done in our hearts. God's word, the message that Jesus Christ is Lord, that is what has brought the light of the gospel to our hearts and scattered the darkness. And I wonder if Paul was thinking about his own life. You want to talk about the ultimate 180. Look at Paul's life. Paul, before becoming a Christian, was named Saul. And what did he do? He went around killing Christians. He went around killing Christians. And on one of his trips to Damascus to round up more Christians to kill because they believed in Jesus as their Savior and preached it, Jesus appeared to him. In what? In a great light. And Jesus spoke to Paul and brought the light of the gospel to his heart, scattered the darkness, and changed it. It wasn't someone else. It was Jesus and the power of the word that did that and turned Paul from being a Christian hater to being the greatest missionary of all time. That's the power that God's word has. And that power you and I have experienced too. Paul says that when we are born into this world, we're born into darkness, but God made us alive even when we were dead in sin. The darkness of death and sin in our hearts, God's word, the powerful word that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, touches our hearts, brings the light of the gospel in there, and scatters the darkness as God brings us into his family as we hear Jesus is Lord over sin and over death. This is why Paul preaches Jesus Christ as Lord. 
He says, I'm not going to preach myself because I don't have the power. But God's word is powerful. And so your first point today, the treasure is the powerful message, not the weak messenger. I'm not the treasure. Jesus is. You're not the treasure. Jesus Christ is Lord, and that message is the power. That's the power. We like to think we have something to do with it. We like to think Paul had something to do with it. But Paul says, look at my life. I'm a jar of clay, he says in verse 7. I'm a jar of clay. I'm fragile. I'm breakable. I'm mortal. I'm emotional. I have cracks. I have holes. I'm just a jar of clay. The treasure is Jesus Christ as Lord. And that message. I didn't just leave my coffee mug up here and put it on the baptismal font because I just wanted to. It's actually going to be used. (laughs) And you might also be surprised to know that this actually doesn't have coffee in it. I know it's a shocker, but it actually has water today. What has more water? Or what has more what has more power? This cup of water or the waters in a hurricane? Of course we'd say the waters of a hurricane, right? The damage that waters in a hurricane uh, does is vast. It can wipe out a whole city. Until the word of God is connected with this water and poured over your head. And the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as this water gets poured over your head, God's powerful word does what? Brings you out of the darkness of hell and into his wonderful light. As, as the waters of baptism flow over you as it's connected with the word, this water connected with God's powerful word forgives your sins. Brings you into his eternal light, into his eternal kingdom, as he adopts you into your family. That's the power that God's word has to make something as small as this have power to save your life as it connects you to Christ's death and resurrection. That is the power of God's word. And that's the power you've experienced. It's power that I've experienced power that your children have experienced as we baptize them and God's word connects them to their savior Jesus and his death and resurrection this is the message we preach we don't preach ourselves we preach Christ crucified Jesus Christ as Lord because that has the power to change lives unfortunately the Corinthians, they were looking at the jars and how impressive the jars were, so to speak. They were looking at the vessels and how impressive is this? How impressive are they? They were looking at worldly impressive things, thinking that, that had, they had the power. But jars really have no power. Have you seen jars? Clay jars? Let me show you. So, at our campus in, in Doral, we've got a high school, and they have an art class, and, and part of the art class is pottery. So check out what they made. High schoolers made those. Pretty impressive, actually. Uh, but they're clay jars, right? But check these out. Those are pretty cool. I take one of those home. 
I'd put things in there. <laughs> I'd want that. But let me ask you this. Which one would you want, this one, or would you want this one if I put a million dollars in it? If I put a million dollars in this clay jar, we're taking this one over the painted one, correct? Why? Because a jar can't change my life, but the million dollars, that can change my life. In fact, I might throw the jar away and buy myself a really cool jar with the million dollars that I have. This is what Paul's point is. The jars. Paul himself, me, you, people, we can't change lives. The power of the gospel changes lives. God's word is the one that brings light into the darkness of our heart. That's the true treasure. That is what we should be fixated on. That's what we should treasure the most. That's what we should be pursuing. And yet how often don't we pursue the jars and the vessels instead of the true treasure of the message. For those of you watching online today, if you're church shopping and you just happen to come across our website today, what are you looking for in a church? For, if you're church shopping here today, what are you looking for in a church? You know what, some number one things that I hear? How good's a children's program? I hear, what's the music like? I hear, what activities are there for us to do? What's your small groups like? You know what I hardly ever hear? What's the message about? Is this church preaching Jesus Christ for me, for my kids? Is this church preaching Jesus Christ crucified and risen so that I am saved? For those of you that are part of Divine Savior, why Divine Savior? What makes your Sunday a good Sunday? Is it how many contemporary songs we sing compared to uh, traditional hymns? Or how many hymns we sing compared to contemporary songs? Is it whether you saw your friends from last week that you haven't seen all week? And oh, they weren't here, so it was, it was kind of a bummer of a Sunday. What makes the service great is not the vessels, not the jars. It's the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord over your sin. Lord over death. The fact that he's forgiven you. That he loves you. That's the power of the gospel. That is what brings the light of Jesus to your heart and changes it. It's that message that we get to take out into the world. It's that message that works through us and for us. It's not the impressiveness of the people. And that's Paul's point. It's the power of the message. And Paul emphasizes that, just how powerful God's word is, as he says, take a look at my life. Here's what he says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. 
Paul says, look at my life. I'm pressed on every side. Do I look impressive? No. The world is pressing, on, pressing in around me. He says, I'm perplexed. He says, I'm persecuted. I'm struck down. If you looked at Paul in the first century, you wouldn't say, man, this looks like a guy who has it all together. This guy's struggling. This guy has cracks. This guy looks like he might be on the edge of, he could either have hope or he could be losing it. And if it was me, I'd be losing it. Paul said, my life isn't impressive, but you know what? He said, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. Why? Because that's the power of God's word. That's the power of God's word in us. And so if you feel like that today, if you feel hard-pressed on every side, overwhelmed, know that you will not be crushed because God's word is that powerful. If you feel persecuted, know that you will never be abandoned. If you're stepping out and doing things differently, more Christ-like, living for Jesus, and you're scared because it's going to bring some verbal persecution, know that you aren't abandoned. Jesus is with you. That's what the power of God's word says. If you're struck down, if you're feeling crushed, know that you will never be struck down and crushed or destroyed because God, God's powerful word promises you the resurrection. Christ's empty tomb brings hope. The light at the end of the tunnel is always there for the Christian because of Jesus. And that's the power of God's word. Paul says, look at my life. It's not impressive, but God works through my weakness. And that's your second point. The powerful word works through our weakness. This is great news for you and me. Because I, I think sometimes we think if I want to see God's power at work in me, I have to see it improving my life. I have to see God's power making my life better, healing me, filling in the cracks. Before I can do any work, before God could actually use me to do his work, I have to fix myself up a little bit. Paul says, no, no, no. God's powerful word works through our weakness. God's powerful word works through our weakness. There's a story of a, a man who had two uh, jars, you know, like those jars that he take that you'd take to the well. And every morning he'd get up and he'd go to go to the well with his two jars. One of them was a brand new, pristine one, kind of looking like uh, the painted ones that we just looked at. The other one was old and cracked. Every morning he'd go to the well, fill them both up. He'd bring it back, and the pristine one held its water. Didn't lose a drop. But the cracked one, the entire time, was leaking water all the way back to camp. After a little while, the pristine jar said to the old one, You're useless, man. You can't keep water. You can't hold water. You had a good run. It's time to just hang it up. And so the old jar said to his master, Master, thank you for using me all this, all this time, but I'm useless. I'm cracked. I can't be used anymore. Just maybe it's time to throw me away. And the master said, useless? 
Look at all the things you blessed as, you, as that water came out of you on the way back to camp. All the bugs, all the ground, the ground, everything that got blessed because you let the water out through your cracks on the way back to camp. This is you and me. This is Paul. We may be cracked. We may not have it all together. We may be weak, but God's power works through our weaknesses to bless others. This is the power of God's word. This is what you and I know. We may be cracked. We may be imperfect, but we are forgiven. We have the hope of the resurrection, and we let that powerful uh, word of God out as we go about our lives. Not, we don't hold it in until, but always letting out the word of God to bless others. Because God's power works through our weaknesses. This is the power of God's word. The reason your life has been changed isn't because of me, isn't because of your small group, isn't because of the music, it's the powerful word of God that has changed your heart. And as we go out into the world, as we serve one another, we can open our mouths and speak the word of God because it's not our life being put together that changes someone's life. It's the powerful word of God that brings a light of God into their hearts as they hear Jesus Christ is Lord over sin, Lord over death. And that's what changes their life because that's what changed yours. And so let's go out and let the word of God out through our cracks through our brokenness, through our weakness. Because when we're weak, we're strong as we see God's word work in our life and in the lives of others. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you for your powerful word, the word of the forgiveness of sins that has the power to assure us that our sins are forgiven, to drive away guilt, to drive away shame. We thank you for the powerful word of the resurrection that because of your empty tomb, uh, our tombs will be empty. We thank you that your powerful word works through even our weakness. Help us to always remember that it's not, uh, uh, it's not us and how well our life is put together or how well we craft something that, that works faith in someone's heart, but it's your powerful word. Because of that, give us the motivation, give us the courage to speak your word to as many people as possible so that they too may be blessed and they too may have the light of the gospel shine in their hearts and be assured of the same thing that we are, that their sins are forgiven, just like ours, that death has been conquered, just like our death has been conquered, that eternal life is waiting for them, just like eternal life is waiting for us. We thank you for that powerful word that holds us together. We ask you to continue to be with us and build each other up in this wonderful gospel message. In your name we pray. Amen.